Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Um, I, I just, as, as you... Um, Well, as you stand to your feet, we'll go ahead and go there. And as you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, I wanted to just, uh, uh, um, we we heard the great, this beautiful couple share on groups. And uh, I just like to testify that a week ago, a week ago, uh, we broke all kinds of records. And um, groups, group life is very important to us here at Thrive. And uh, we have 56 Groups, which is more than we've ever had. <clears throat> Almost 70 group leaders, which is more than we've ever had. And as of last Sunday, signups, um, including what we average typically with youth and young adults, was about 600 signups for Thrive Groups a week ago. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. Now, now that's, it's been a week. So there's probably more. 6.30. We're at 6.30 and we have today. So if you did not sign up and you want to go to heaven. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, it might make a difference, but just, you know. There's still time to sign up for group. And I just, can we just thank all of our group leaders and hosts for what they're going to be doing? Thank you, group leaders. Thank you, hosts. Luke chapter 10, I have a very simple message for you as Pastor Chris launched the Inside Out series and and as we're gonna be navigating 10 qualities of maturing believers, 10 qualities of a growing disciple of Jesus Christ. I have a very simple message, some things I've I've shared before, but I, you know, there's a a saying in teaching, I was a teacher for a number of years, um, repetition is the mother of memory. Some things are absolutely worth repeating. There are believers who are always looking for some new revelation, some new thing to make them have a little goosebump. But some, and that's okay, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of things that work. Because you ever done something wrong and knew better? So we just got to remind ourselves sometimes of things that work. And so we're going to be talking about inside-out relationships. Inside-out relationships. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And the word of God reads, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Read this with me. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? (laughs) Verse 30, in reply, Jesus said, good stuff. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. 
They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the man who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we pray that we would be fertile soil ready for its seed. That, Lord, the birds of the air would not come and take it. That the cares of this world would not grow out and choke its growth in our lives. But that, Lord, it would, it would bury deep in and form roots and grow good fruit. Sustainable life in us, Lord, that can withstand the harsh sun, the difficult times. Help us, Lord. We want to be more like you. In Jesus' name, the Thrive Family set. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Inside out relationships. So the theme is inside out, and I was tasked with the with the quality of relationships. And so I've entitled it Inside Out Relationships. Inside Out Relationships. Here at Thrive, we have done, I think, a good job of speaking to the necessity of community, the necessity of partnership and fellowship. We don't even call church members here at Thrive members. We call you partners, that we are collaborators, that we are co-laborers and each one of us bringing with us that which God has given to us to share. Some of it is financial. You do that and we are so grateful that you obey the word of the Lord in giving your tithe and giving of your income and you do it to the house of the Lord and we talk about how that is a partnership in ministry because it really, really is. But it's more than money. It's, it's your love. It's your prayers. It's your, your talents and gifts. We have wonderful volunteers that serve all year long in a myriad ministries so that others can hear the gospel, grow in the gospel, feel safe and secure so that our children and our children's children can learn the word of the Lord early that they would love the word and love God's house so that they would never want to leave it. So that when you leave this world, because you're going, and after lunch today, some faster than others. So take it easy with the salt. All right. We're leaving this world, and so there are volunteers that try to make the house of God a beautiful place for your children so that when you're gone, they still come. Amen. We're a team. We're a team. And so there might be someone in person or online that 
has been with us for a while and, and still is not connected, not in, never been in a group or never made friends, and you can do that, and we'll still love you, but there is a deficiency. There is a deficiency in your spiritual walk because God didn't call us to do this walk alone. He called us to relationship, and one of the, a, a litmus test of our spiritual growth and maturity is how do we do relationships? How do we do interpersonal relationships? How do we get along with people? It really matters. I've been in church my whole life, which is almost half a century. I know you thought it couldn't be more than 47 years, but it's actually 49. 49 and a half years. And, and, and I can tell you that there are people who can spit out scripture. They're even better at spitting out a certain type of expectation of others. But they really don't love freely. And they're easily offended. In fact, there are those who will look for reasons to be offended and they actually can stand in judgment of others, getting a little piece of a feeling of superiority when unbeknownst to them, everyone else around them, even the less, even those with less years in Christ can tell something's wrong with them. Unbeknownst to them. How we do relationships matter. And the reason why I've entitled this Inside Out Relationships is because the very first relationship that should set the tempo for all other relationships is our relationship with God. For the person who, who I just described, and there are, there are gradients of that and shades of that, generally it's because that person has been mistreated, is wounded, has a past, has a history, has been abandoned, and you have to be healed emotionally in order to do emo emotional things well. You have to know how to relearn how to receive love and to love others after one's been hurt in order to do it right. Otherwise, it's an imperfect diamond. It's a flawed diamond. We're trying to love, but there's, a, there's flaws in it. And it, and, and it, it doesn't take always, uh, you know, those fancy eyepieces, the diamond people. I don't know because I don't have any, but <laughs> those little glasses they wear to see the flaw. You know that, that some, I've seen a di diamonds that you don't need that. There's a big old hunk of carbon in there, right? Or I think that's what it is. There's something in there. Could be a fly. I don't know what is in there, but there's something in there. And, 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 and it's because I think people can love that way. There's an impurity to it. And it's because they haven't been made whole yet. They're in process. And I got to tell you that the very, the very fountain of our relationships is our relationship with God. The, 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 your relationship with God is the fountain from which all other relationships should flow. It's your communion with God that should empower and impact how you do this. Yeah. 
this should impact this. Now I put, I put should because it's not always the case. See, we've got to be, sometimes we just want to do this spiritual thing and that let just kind of like, uh, like float into some better place when God wants you to be intentional. God wants you to be intentional in how you do this and in how you do this. Are you with me? Again, the word says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with what? All your mind. See, your commitment and communion with God. Now, hear this. Your commitment and communion with God should be the lens through which you see the world. I'm committed to you, Lord, so I'm gonna look at the world through the lens of your word. What does your word say? That is the lens through which I'm gonna see my antagonists. I'm gonna see my, uh, my coworkers. I'm gonna see my past. I'm gonna see my future. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to your word. So this is the lens through which I'm gonna see it. Lord, take away the lens from my childhood that is obscured. Take away the lens from my uh, young adulthood when I was hurt. Take away the lens from my childhood when I was abandoned. Lord, take away those, those imperfections. Give me the lens of your word. I am committed to you. I'm committed to your word. I wanna see the world and everyone in it and everything in it, every victory, and every challenge, I want to see it through your lens. But someone say communion. Your communion with God needs to be your lens as well. See, when you spend time with an omnipotent, perfect God, hear me. Are you with me? Listen. When you spend time with an omnipotent, perfect God, it should make you humble, not proud. The awesomeness of God should drive you to your knees in tears of gratitude. If you're not in awe, if you're not in awe of him, your vision is obscured. You're not, you're worshiping a God of your imagination. You're not worshiping God in his essence. If we're cavalier with his presence, if you're flippant with his presence, you don't understand who's with you. When we strip away our self-righteousness. When we, our trophies are what they are and we set them aside and we understand just how good God is, how pure he is, how great he is, and he is with us, it should make us humble. Not just humble before him, but humble before others. God's mercy, someone say mercy. God's mercy should make you and I gentle. I get a, what I think is a 
holy anger. Maybe it's not all that holy. When I see Christians being so critical, they have the shortest fuses with one another. And I think you've forgotten how absolutely jacked up you were before you came to Christ. And, and there's that saying like putting lipstick on a pig. I know, I'm preaching. And it, it, it's like, you know, it, it's like you, we're not, we got to remember we're not, we may not be who we think we are. God's mercy should make you gentle. God's kindness should make you compassionate. See, this is the fountain for this. This is the fountain for this. This won't change very well or for very long without this being the source. God's patience with you. Has he been patient with you? Can someone raise both hands if God's been really, really patient with you? I just want to get a witness. I just want to get a witness. Because you're still here. You ain't dead. All right. Right. But by the grace of God, right? But, but for the grace of God, I'd be a hotter mess than I am. Not even all that hot. <laughs> Straight up mess. Listen, listen. God's patience with us should make us self-restrained. He, with, he restrains his judgment. He restrains his discipline. It should make it. See, are you are you following this logic? This should impact this. The very first place we should look when we're having issues with somebody is this right? Is this right? Not between them and him, between you and him. I know you're like, I don't know if it's right. I don't know. I gotta ask them. You gotta ask them if it's right. I have no idea. I'm not talking about them. It's you. You. Is it right with you? Do you walk all cavalierly into God's presence? When was the last time you were in awe like a little child? Is this right? Is this right? And if this is, if this is right, then Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Because, are you still with me? Because of this, check it out, check it out, check it out. If this is, if you're in awe of this, you're like, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't even be alive. I shouldn't have what I have. Lord, it leads us logically to everything is for you. Everything's about you, Lord. Every breath is from you. It's a gift. So, Lord, you gave me life so I could give you glory. So then how do you want me to do this? Right? Because, see, in that secret place, everything gets real clear and you realize it's not about you. So instead of getting vengeance or instead of getting your way or in, instead of showing them, it becomes, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And it's with every one of this, every one of this, Lord, what do you want me to do? Your relationship with God is the fountain for every other relationship. I want to talk about your relationship with your spouse. 
Now, you might not be married. That's okay. Maybe one day you will be. But I want to talk about marriage. Because if, you're, if you are married, now some of you this is going to like, might even mildly offend, but it has more to do with your history than the truth. And, and, and just, just work with it. But if you are married today, second to your relationship with God is your relationship with your spouse, not your relationship with your kids. And I know, I know if you've been left before or hurt before, and all that was left was you and your kids, I get it, how that would be really hard, really hard to get, come to terms with. But God established marriage as the second highest relationship next to the relationship with God. And so that if you have children, that relationship with your spouse is the covering for your children. When you and your spouse are at peace, your children are at peace. When you, now listen, when you and your spouse are at war, your children are traumatized and terrorized by that. They're insecure. They learn to hate. They learn to curse. They learn to leave. They learn to slam doors. Your relationship with your spouse, according to God's word, is intended to be a shelter. It's intended to be a place of union, intimacy, partnership. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord saw Adam and said, it is not what? Good for the man to be what? I will make a what? That is suitable for him, and I've shared this before, but suitable helper, uh, a helper that's suitable, or a suitable helper is in the Hebrew, ezer konegdo, and and it, it, konegdo means uh, equal but opposite, equal but opposite, and ezer is helper, but here's the thing, is that in English, it really doesn't say what it, what it really means, because the term ezer here is, is also used to describe God at different points in the Old Testament. So this is not a helper like an assistant. <laughs> so wives, you're okay. I said wives and I heard someone say, calm down. Yeah, yeah, calm down too. If someone needs to calm down, you do that too. Husbands, you relax. Because this is not saying God gave you an assistant, a, you know, uh, an apprentice. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the script. That's not the Bible. That's not what it means. All right? In fact, when, it, when this term easer is used to describe God, it's an ally or a rescuer. Because us men need some rescuing. I wasn't going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. Is this being recorded? Yes, it is. <laughs> I kind of threw out my back yesterday, and, and I needed an easier connecto. <laughs> and poor Sister Lori, she's all helping me out of bed, 
and, and, or, and out of a chair. And, and you know it's bad when you walk nine steps before you can straighten out. That was me. She's helping me get dressed. She had to put my socks on. That's kind of embarrassing. That's kind of embarrassing. She had to put my socks on. Good thing I have beautiful feet. She's massaging me, and she put a little massager. She gave me medicine. She gave me a lot. I don't know. <laughs> gave me a lot. I needed, just to get out of bed, I needed a helper, but not an assistant. Someone strong, loving, capable, caring, so, so now watch this. Ezer is an ally, a rescuer, okay? Connecto, equal but opposite. It's like it's been described as the two wings of a plane. You know, if you only have one, if you have one big one and a little one, that's a problem. You need both wings for that thing to fly. That's this partnership. Both wings to fly. You are meant to do this together. And if there are issues that you're facing, contending with, and the partnership has started to break down, you got to get the problem out from between you and stop shooting each other. Get it in front of you. Get shoulder to shoulder in prayer and start attacking the issue together. Like two, two wings of a plane. We're going to go the same direction. We're going to go the same direction. The world wants to quit on this. They don't, want to, they don't want to believe it's important. Listen, if you are married, you, the, only way to, the only way out of a bad marriage is to make it better. Write that down because I, that was pretty good. Whatever Lori gave me is working. The only way out of a bad marriage is to make it better. Don't be quitting. Don't be on farmersonly.com. No. We're here in the Central Valley. I know how you are. You're all humming. Mm, 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 mm. Oh. <laughs> Ephesians, Paul describes this relationship. Watch this. Look at this. This is just to kind of seal the deal for anyone who might think that, oh, the man's in charge. No, listen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 Read it with me. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Stop. This is how he introduces the description of marriage. Sub this is the thesis statement. Submit to one another. Mutual submission. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives what? Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Flip it. <laughs> of which he is the savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also their wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Verse 25. Husbands what? Love your wives, how? Just as Christ loved the church. Stop, you gotta die. How did Christ love the church? 
He gave everything to the point where he died. Yeah, how do you like them apples? <laughs> you remember Goodwill Hunting? You like apples? How about them apples? <laughs> Guys, you know, you're a partnership. Wives, don't, don't be lording over your husband. You're a partnership. Wives, submit as the church submits to Christ. Husbands, submit like Christ did to the church. Give her your all. Give her your all. This fountain of relationship should impact your relationship with your spouse. Number three, this fountain should impact your relationship with your children. Your children. Now, I, I have four. Ain't nothing easy about raising kids. How many know you love them, but you don't always like them? Not always. All four of them have had their moments. Who are you? What did your mother teach you? But if you're a child, if, you, if you're a, a child in a house today, you're a child, a teenager, I want you to see what the word of the Lord says to you. Verse uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? It's right to do it. Because it's right. It doesn't say for anyone here who's living in the household with their parents. Listen. Listen. It doesn't say obey them when they're right. Obey them because it is right. Now this is, to be honest, with any teenager that might be in the room, this is how your parents know if you're growing up. When you see beyond the moment, when you have the capacity to not just be caught up in the moment of what you want right now, and you're able to see ahead, how far ahead? Your future, according to the scripture. If for no other reason, because God says, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment that came with a promise, so that it may go well with you. So we know someone's growing up, see, when you sacrifice today for something later. When you save your money today, so that you don't have to have such a big car loan later. That's when we know you're growing up. You just run in, you get a 10% interest, and you get a $700 car payment, and you work at Starbucks, you ain't grown. You ain't grown. Write that down. The bank loves you because they're doing good with you. And they expect to get the car back in about a year and a half. They love you. No, you know you're grown when you save, 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 and then buy yourself a $4,000 car cash so you can go to work and back. And that's how when you know you're grown. So, so children, do what's right. Obey your parents because it's right, even when they're wrong. And guess what? Parents, you could be wrong. Because look here what it says about parents. It says, fathers, do not exasperate. We can say parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Parents, parents, don't frustrate your kids. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Don't, if you're moody, 
check yourself in your bedroom, pray for 20 minutes, then come out and parent. But don't take your, parent, your kids on an emotional ride just because you didn't have breakfast. Don't change the rules every other week. That frustrates your children. Don't say something's okay today and it's not okay tomorrow. And when you blow it, because we've all blown it, say sorry. I sat four-year-olds down, all of them, because all my kids have been at least four. I sat them down and said, listen, you did wrong, but I did wrong too. I'm sorry. Forgive daddy. I got too mad. I shouldn't have said that. This is, don't frustrate them. There will be a day when they leave. You only have about 18 years to do what you can do. There came a point with each one of my kids, well, each, the two oldest, I still got two, but where I've been, I've been able to say, I've taught you the best I could, probably all I can. Now, if you need something, you come to me. If you need advice, you come to me because you're now an adult. You're living your life. But that day will come for all of us. So in the, in, the, in the meantime, seize every opportunity to raise your children in the Lord. Raise them. Discipline them with love and wisdom. Teach them according to the scriptures. Not the gospel according to Eric. The gospel according to John. To Mark, the, use the word of God. And you're gonna disappoint your children. I've disappointed all of them and I'm still doing the younger ones. Cause I won't let them do everything they want. But I'm working, I'm working from a source that's reliable. I'm working from the word that doesn't change. And my heart, if my heart is right, and I'm searching the word for his will in how to train my children, then even when I mess it up, there's grace. Even when I mess it up, there's grace. I had more, but I'm on medicine. And I took too long with the first three points. Would you stand with me? Your relationship with God is the fountain from which all other relationships should flow. If I had time, I would have talked about a relationship with the body of Christ. Get in a group. We need one another. And the second one, I'll just say it because I can't, I have the mic. Is what is your relationship with your enemies? What is your relationship with your enemies? What is your relationship with those of the other political party? What is your relationship with those who wear masks or don't wear masks, who get vaccinated, who don't get vaccinated? The world has gotten crazy, and unfortunately, part of the church has gotten crazy too. We gotta come back to the truth. How do we treat others? How do you treat those that aren't just disagreeing with you, but actually are your enemies? See, we've turned people who simply disagree with us into enemies. That's of the pit of hell. That's not even logical. But how about those who really have it out for you? How, what do you do with them? The Lord says that to treat them with kindness, because even the godless 
Even the godless treat their friends well. But us, the children of God, the children of God should treat our enemies just as well. But hey, that's only if this gets right. This has to be right for that to happen. Can I get a witness? If you want God to work in your relationships, if you want that part of your life to mature and to grow and to get deeper, to get better, to get holy, and to get well, and to get thoughtful, would you raise your hands with me? Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.